We're starting a new series uh, today. Starting a new series. We're going to be working our way Sunday by Sunday through Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. And we have entitled the whole series, Welcome to the New. Because new is a key theme in Ephesians. Over in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says that we can be made new in the attitude of our minds. He says that, that we can put off the old self and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So new attitudes, new self. So we're going to be looking at all the things that God does in our lives to, to make us new and renew us. Today we're talking about a new identity. Everybody say identity. This is what we're talking about today. And, and, and I tell you, this is good news for, for you because God wants to give you a new identity, uh, new attitudes, renewed relationships, uh, 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 really a new way of life. And, and this is good news because some of you are just stuck in a rut. Some of you are bored. Maybe you've been a believer for years and years and years, but, but your faith in Christ needs to be renewed. You believe in God, well, kind of, sort of, but it's not really impacting your, your daily life. You, 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 your faith has grown old and stale, and, and you need to be renewed. And So this is the message of Ephesians, and today we're talking about a new identity. And, and I want to just come right out of the gate and ask you, who are you really? What's your identity? Who are you? I've been reflecting on this myself this past week as I prepared this message. And, and I thought, wow, I have actually, and we all have many layers to our identity. And, and we, we, our identities shift over, over the years when you think about it. For example, I can remember when I was a teenage young boy. And, 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 and I'm single. And I'm a teenager. And I'm young. And I, my hair was blonde. And, and, you know, and so I have this certain identity. I'm a high school student. And then Sandy and I got married when we were 19 years old, and now I have a new identity. I'm, I'm married. I'm not single. That's a new identity. And, and, and now I'm a college student. We go off to school, and, and I'm married. And, and then a, a few years later, we have kids. And now I'm a parent. Wow, that's a new identity. And, and, and then, you know, the, the years roll by, and, and now it's, it's just starting to dawn on me, I'm old. I mean, I used to be the youngest one in the room. I remember going to pastors' conferences, and 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 I'm looking around, and I'm thinking, Who, who's all these old pastors around here? Because I was like the young guy in the room, and and, and I would go where, wherever I'd go. I was among the youngest, if not the youngest. And the, and then one day, it, I mean, those of you who are older, isn't it weird how it dawns on you? Like you wake up one day and you go, I'm old. When did that happen? You know, it, sometimes it takes a while for your identity to catch up with reality, right? I mean, other people have known you've been old for a long time, and you know, but, but it takes a while for you to admit that you're old. And, and, you know, I just have to ask you, don't you think Sandy and I look way too young to be grandparents? I mean, come on now, give me some love. Don't you think we look way too young? To be grandparents, thank you, thank, thank, thank you for lying. I know, but but it, it helps it helps me feel a little better. And so you know, think about all these layers that you have to your identity. You know, you're white 
or you're black or you're Asian or, you know, whatever color, whatever ethnicity, you're a business person, you're a Democrat or you're a Republican, you're a man, you're a woman, you're, you're, you're you know, this nationality, you're, you're a business person, you're a teacher, you're a parent, you're a son, you're a daughter. You, you have all these different layers to your identity and, and you're many, you're all of these things at the same time. It's all part of your identity. And here's what I want you to see today. Take Jesus as your core identity. Take Jesus as the fundamental basis, the core, the essence of your identity. So, so please understand, Christianity is not just another layer of your identity. We, and, and this is a big problem because we think, you know, hey, I'm a business person. I'm, I'm a man, I'm white, you know, I'm German, I'm Irish, I'm, I'm whatever, and, and, and I'm this and I'm that, and oh, I'm a Christian. No, that's not the way you look at it. You take Jesus as your core identity. I am a child of God in whom Christ dwells and delights. I am in Christ. That is my fundamental identity. And you know what happens is, then, then when, when the more I realize that and know that and believe that and experience that, and really that's what life is all about as a Christian, is, is you mature in Christ. Maturing in Christ primarily means at a very experiential and fundamental way that you your identity is based in Christ. And what happens is then all the other layers to my identity uh, become renewed and improved and changed and better because of my fundamental identity in Christ. So, so take Jesus as your core identity, and, and, and it frees you up so that, so that uh, it, it makes you more secure, so, so that if you have problems, you know, in this relationship or this job or whatever, and, and, and you don't, maybe you, you, you wanted to date this girl and you didn't get her, and, you know, because you chose her, but she, she didn't choose you, and, and you, you, you're not doing well as a student or whatever, and, and rather than letting that devastate you, you say, my fundamental identity is in Christ. And it helps me become a better student. It helps me become a better mother or father. It helps me become a better businessman. This is what Paul says in Ephesians 1. So let's look at it. Let's read Ephesians 1. And, and he's going to highlight four key components of, of our identity. So let's jump into this. Ephesians chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Now, let's stop right there. Who was Paul? The apostle Paul. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. How can Paul say he was an apostle? Was he one of the twelve? No, he wasn't one of the twelve. Well, how's he an apostle? Well, if you read over in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 9, Jesus confronts him. He, Paul was, was a Pharisee. He was a, a religious Jewish man, believed in God, followed the Old Testament uh, strenuously, and he was against these Christians, these people who believed in Jesus, and he went around persecuting them. And he's on the road to Damascus. Now, you've heard of Damascus because it's on the news frequently. Damascus over in Syria in the Middle East, it's still a city today. And you hear about, you know, what's going on in Damascus and how the Syrians are fighting against the Israelis and whatever. It's this same Damascus uh, in Acts 9 that you read about. Read the story. And the, Jesus appears to Paul, and Paul is converted, and he becomes a Christian, a believer in Jesus, and he becomes an apostle. 
The word apostle literally means sent. He becomes one of the sent ones. And, uh, and man, is he sent. And so the, the, the Bible has 66 books in it, 39 in the old, 27 in the new. And in the 27 in the new, guess how many books the, the apostle Paul wrote? 13. He wrote 13 of the 27. And this is one of them right here. So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Where's Ephesus? Ephesus was a, was a town. Now it's an ancient ruin. And it's over on the west side of Turkey. I've actually been there. I took an Apostle Paul tour and, and plan to do so again in a couple of years. Uh, and I've been in Ephesus. And you can read about Paul's experience in Ephesus in Acts 19. And, and there's a theater there. And, and when Paul's going around preaching about Jesus, it actually caused a riot. This guy named Demetrius, it was affecting his business because people weren't buying these little idols anymore because they believed in Jesus and they rejected the idols. And anyway, you can read the story. And there's this riot. And I've actually been in that theater and, and, and read th this passage right there in, in Ephesus. So to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he begins this praise. It's like a praise prayer, a thanksgiving to God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Notice how many times he says in Christ or in him or through him. So praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, the, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. I can just imagine the Apostle Paul uh, walking around and, and just pacing the floor as he's just, I praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we have all these blessings and, and, and the, the, the amanuensis, the secretary, the scribe, trying to write this down and hopefully no shorthand. They're like, whoa, whoa, what did you, you say, Paul? And, and you don't realize it in the English, but in the, in the Greek there's actually, between verses 11 and 14, it's one long sentence. One long sentence. And Paul is just praising God for the new identity that we have in Christ. And he says, and these are the four things I want to highlight. We are chosen, we are accepted, we are redeemed, and we are in on God's secret. These are four things. So let, let's unpack them briefly this morning. So here's your true identity. The first one is, I am chosen. Say that with me. I am chosen. 
You are chosen. Look at what he says in verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Have you ever been chosen for something? It kind of makes you feel good, right? When you're chosen. Uh, I, I remember uh, I grew up in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, home of the Groundhog, Groundhog Day, all of that. And uh, when I was nine years old, I tried out for Little League. And, uh, you know, it's a big sports town. And, and, uh, and so there were several days or a week or whatever it was of, of tryouts. And then this was a day before the Internet, social media, all that. You know how you knew if you were chosen, if you got to play Little League or not? It, it was, they announced your name over the radio. I, I can't imagine they still do it that today, but that's what they did back then. And so here I am, nine years old. I'm sitting next to the radio with my parents, and, and we're waiting to see if I was chosen, if I had made it to, because I really wanted to play baseball, wanted to play Little League. And so they started announcing, and now for the Pirates, Tommy Thompson and Cliff Thompson. And I'm like, well, yeah, these are two brothers, and they went on to become great baseball players. And and, and for the Cardinals, there's John Miserock and Greg Astorino and like, well, yeah, that John Mizrock, he's, he's incredible. And, and in fact, John Mizrock went on to play Major League Baseball, played for uh, the Astros for a while, caught off a of Nolan Ryan for a little while. I mean, he, he was big time. And, and, uh, and, then, and then for the, for the Phillies, the Philadelphia Phillies, we have Pat Limerick and Greg Henneman. And I'm like, oh, they, they, they chose me. They called my name. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a Philadelphia Philly. Now, I really wanted to be a pirate, but... Uh, you know, hey, I, I'm glad I made it. I'm glad I was at least chosen. And now I'm going to play Little League. And I can remember how that, that was, you know, it made me feel good. I was chosen. It, it, it makes you feel good, doesn't it? it? It's like a part of your identity. Like I, I am chosen. But what if I had not been chosen? Have you ever not been chosen for something? It stings, doesn't it? Maybe it was a sports game, you know, and it's just a pickup game. You know, hey, we need two captains. You be captain, you be captain. Okay, you choose one, you choose one, you choose one. And you're the last one chosen. And you can't even tell their attitude is like, okay, well, we have to take you. You know, it, it doesn't make you feel that good, does it? Or, or you weren't chosen for that job that you really wanted. Or you didn't get that guy or that gal. Maybe you had a couple of dates and you were starting to be like, ooh, this, this could be the one. And, and like, I, I think I'm, I want to choose her. And then she doesn't choose you. Oh my, it stings. Well, Paul says here, the good news of the gospel is there is a creator God who created the universe. And even though we're all fallen and messed up and wayward children, God chooses you. God chooses to reach out in love to you. God chooses you. Now let that sink in, would you? Just think about that. If God chooses you, who cares if other people choose you? I mean, so they don't choose you. So you don't get chosen for that job. So you, so you don't get, you know, that, that girl, that guy, they, they don't choose you back the way you would like to choose them. And, and, okay, yeah, it hurts, it stings, but it doesn't destroy you. It doesn't ruin you because they're not your core identity. Your core identity is in Christ. You're chosen. In Christ. Well, we could say more about how God has chosen us. You notice it says to be holy and blameless in His sight. We'll get into that later in the series. But just receive this this morning, will you? Take Jesus as your core identity. I am chosen. Not only that, but I am adopted. Say that with me. 
I am adopted. Look at verse 5. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will. Now, don't get hung up on that word predestined. The Bible talks about predestination, you know. The problem is Christians disagree on exactly what it means. So let, let's just keep this really short and simple. Notice what Paul says. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will. So in other words, before the world began, God said, I have a plan. I'm going to create the world, and, and I know that my children are going to rebel against me and kind of mess everything up, but I still think it's worthwhile because I want people to, to love each other, and I want them to love me, and, 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 and I have this plan. And so my plan of salvation, I'm going to predestine this, I'm pre-planning this, that my plan of salvation is going to be through Jesus Christ. And everyone who repents and turns to Jesus and receives Him and it becomes in Christ, I am going to adopt as my son or as my daughter. That's God predestined that. That's His pre-plan from all eternity. And notice He says, through Jesus Christ. I already mentioned that in, in, in the, you don't notice it in the English, but in the original Greek, uh, verses 3 through 14 are one long sentence. And Paul is just praising God and thanking Him. And, and, and he says, through Jesus Christ, in Christ, in Him, through Him. It occurs like uh, 12 times or 11 times, depending on how you count them, in, in these verses, in this one long sentence. In Him, in Him, through Him. All these blessings that we have come in Christ or through Christ. So I ask you, here's a question for you. Are you in Christ? Are you his adopted son or daughter? Are you part of his family? Take Jesus as your core identity. It's not like, well, you know, I'm a man, I'm a woman, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I'm a worker, I'm a student, I'm this, I'm that. And, and you know, I kind of might, you know, I'm, I guess I'm a Christian kind of. Story. No, no, no. You make Jesus the fundamental core identity. And you're now chosen. You're adopted. You're a son or daughter of the king. This is who you are. And he helps you address all of the other layers of identity that you have. So who are you? You say, well, Greg, I'm just a lousy student. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get a degree and I'm struggling to get passing grades. I'm just a lousy student. No, you're not. If you are in Christ, you are adopted by the Father. You're, you're a son or daughter of the King. You're part of His family. You have a rich inheritance. He goes on to talk about all the riches of His glory that's available to you now. You have an amazing future. And so you say, Instead of saying, I'm just a lousy student trying to get good grades. No, 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 no. You are a son or daughter of the king. You are an adopted child of the king. You're chosen in Christ. And, and now it might be true you're getting lousy grades. And so, But what happens is now you can, you can accept that and you can be more objective about that and it doesn't ruin you or destroy you because now you're secure in Christ. You know who you are in Christ. And you can say, you know what? I'm struggling with some my grades. Why is that? Well, is it because I'm not studying? I need to study more? Maybe I don't know how to study. I need to get a tutor. I need to learn how to study. Maybe, maybe I don't remember things very well. I need to do some research and learn how to, to have better memory and, and recall on some of these things. Or you know what? Maybe I'm in the wrong field. Maybe it's I 
Maybe I'm just not interested in this. Maybe it's not really where my gift mix is, my skill set is. Maybe I need to get out of this area and, and do this instead. And so it doesn't, when, when you say you're in Christ and your identity is in Christ, it doesn't mean none of this other stuff matters. What it does is now you have the strength and the security and the wholeness and the integrity so that you can really lean in to all these other identities and, and actually become a better student, become a better father, become a better mother. And become a better person in all the other layers of your identity. And things don't have to devastate you. You don't have to be offended. We're, we're all into this identity politics now. We're all, you know, you know I'm, I'm white, I'm black, I'm this, you know, I'm, I'm part of the persecuted group. I'm part of the oppressing group. No, 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 no. Your fundamental identity is you're a child of the king. And, and, and I, don't, I don't go around worried about being offended. And, and, and I can admit my faults and my flaws and my mistakes. And, and when people criticize me, it doesn't ruin me. It doesn't devastate me because they're not the source of my identity. I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. I'm chosen. I'm adopted. And so now I can listen to the criticism and say, you know what? There's a nugget of truth in that. I need to change. You know what? I am getting lousy grades. I need to figure out what's going on here. You know what? Maybe I'm not the best father the best husband. I, I can admit that. I can confess that and say, you know what? There's some things I need to change here because my fundamental core identity is in Christ and he gives me the strength to face all the rest of it. You see how this works? Paul says over in Romans 8.15, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. So notice, you now have the Holy Spirit within you. And you don't have to be a slave so that you live in fear. Oh, my identity is so fragile. I mean, if this doesn't happen, if I don't get this job, if these people don't like me, if, if I can't be a success here, oh, if this doesn't happen, oh, I'm just going to be crushed. I'm going to be devastated because you're basing your identity and all that stuff. No, 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 no. I want to do a good job. I want to be a good businessman. I want to be successful. I want to make lots of money. I want to have friends and influence people and all that. But you know what? My core identity is in Christ. And so now I can be truthful and honest and humble about all the rest of it. Because I know who my Abba Father is. My Daddy. So I don't have to live in fear. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves. I'm not a slave. I'm not a slave to what these people say. I'm not a slave to if this happens or if that doesn't happen. I'm not a slave to that. I'm an adopted child of the king. You see? So I'm chosen. I'm adopted. Thirdly, I'm redeemed. Verse 7. Everybody say, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. This is part of your identity. This is how you should see yourself. You are chosen. You are adopted. You are redeemed. Verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. I tell you what, we come now to the heart of the gospel right here. And if you don't understand this, you need to. Because if you don't understand this, you need to seriously consider whether you are a Christian or not. Because this is the heart of what it means to be a Christian. Can you honestly say this verse and mean it? In Him, I have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Can you really say that? And know it and experience it and mean it down in the core of your identity. That in Christ, I have redemption through his blood. 
See, so many people don't understand what a Christian is. They, you know, like you said, well, I, you know, Greg, I believe in God. And, and I, you know, there's some higher power up there. And, yeah, I, I do believe there's more to just, you know, the physical, what we can see and touch and, and all of that. So I guess I could say I believe in God. And, you know, Greg, I'm trying to be a better person. I try to be a nice guy. I try to do good things. And No, that's not what it means to be a Christian. It's not. Being a Christian means you realize how lost you are without Jesus. Being a Christian means you just are starting to see how wicked you truly are. How lost you really are. And you need redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins. This is what it means to be a Christian where you say, Jesus, I'm nothing without you. I'm lost. I have no identity. People are just running all around trying to find their identity. And, oh, I'm going to have this big job. Oh, I'm going to have this. If I can achieve this, then I'm going to have a big identity. Then your, your identity comes from finally realizing who you really are. Made by God. But we've lost God. But God comes after us and he chooses us and he adopts us and he wants to redeem us. And it's a wonderful moment when you go, I'm lost. I'm broken. I'm messed up. And maybe you're even pretty successful and you don't even feel that lost. But, but then you go, hmm, in spite of all the markings of success, and even though I have a lot of things together, I realize I'm lost without Christ. I need the riches of his grace. I might have plenty of riches, cars and houses and whatever, but I, I, I lack the riches of his grace in my life. So are you in Christ? Can you really say that verse? I'm redeemed and believe it and know it. You know, th th this is this is what it means. He is your only hope. You know, I think some of us, truth be known, we we say, well, you know, I'm a pretty good person. You know, I mean, I haven't murdered anybody. Don't steal. You know, I'm 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 a pretty decent person, and and I believe there's some kind of higher power. And 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 you know what? God is actually lucky that I'm on His side. You know, you would never say that out loud to anybody, but sometimes down in the depths of our hearts, we can think, you know, God's pretty lucky that you know, and, you know that church. That church is pretty lucky that I attend there. You know, because I put some dollars in the plate and, and I serve once in a while. And, you know, they're, they're pretty lucky that I that I even carve out a little bit of my time to serve and give and all that. If, if that's how you feel and how you think down in your core identity, you need to question whether you're really a Christian or not. Because to be a Christian means, oh, I need his grace. I need to be redeemed. I need to be rescued. In, in just a few moments, we're going to receive communion. And uh, in a few moments, the ushers are going to come and distribute the elements to you. And do you remember when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper with his apostles in the upper room that night? Remember what it was? It was a Jewish Passover meal, right? And Jesus was a Jew. His followers were Jewish men and women. And, and he's up with, in the upper room with his apostles. And, and they're celebrating the Jewish Passover meal. Remember what that was? They did, this was an annual event where they celebrated this meal in memory of how God, through Moses, had redeemed, rescued Israel out of slavery in Egypt centuries before. 
And so the Jewish people had been practicing the Passover meal to celebrate how God had redeemed them through Moses. And now here's Jesus, and Jesus takes this Jewish Passover meal and he makes it all about him. He says, he takes the bread and he says, this is my body given for you, broken for you. This cup is the new covenant. Welcome to the new. New covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. So just as Israel was redeemed and rescued out of Egypt, so you and I need to be rescued out of our wickedness, our sinfulness, our lostness. And you know how you know? You say, Greg, I'm not sure if I really am a Christian. Greg, I'm not really sure if I am in Christ. You know how you know? Here's how you know. But one of the ways you know. How judgmental are you of other people? How unforgiving are you towards other people? Do you tend to look down your nose at other people? And you kind of go, oh man, th th those people. Oh. And you're just kind of unforgiving and judgmental. Or do you realize, wow, Lord, thank you for the grace you've given me because I'm totally lost without you. And Lord, I pray for those people. They might be messed up. They might be broken. They might have all kinds of bad things, wrong things about them in their life. But Lord, I love them and I care for them. Lord, please bless them. Please redeem them too. Please rescue them too. Because Jesus said, if, if you can't forgive others, then he won't forgive you. If you go around judging others, then he's going to judge you. You see, so take this deep into your core identity that you are redeemed and you need his grace. And then number four, I'm in on God's secret. Say that with me. I am in on God's secret. He says in Ephesians 1, beginning in verse 8, with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery, the mystery, the secret of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, there's in Christ again, to be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Do you even begin to understand this? God has a plan. His plan has been a mystery, a secret. Uh, until Christ came. Even the prophets in the Old Testament, they only had bits and pieces of it, but they didn't really understand. But then in Christ, God has revealed this mystery. His secret plan now has been revealed, and it's an open secret now, and we all can know what it is. You know what it is? It's to bring unity to everything in heaven and on earth. One day God is going to say, okay, the times are fulfilled. I'm going to reunite things that have been split apart. I'm going to heal the decay and the disintegration. I'm going to harmonize all the disharmony in the universe. I'm going to unite everything underneath the headship of Jesus Christ. Paul will go on to talk about unity several more times in this letter. But it's almost like Paul is saying here, Folks, you, pe you people in Ephesus, you people at Clarkston, I want you to get this now. Yes, God has blessed us through Christ with all these blessings. And, and it's wonderful for you to just revel in the fact, Tom, I am chosen. I'm chosen. I'm adopted. I'm redeemed. And I'm let in on God's secret. But, but now it's almost like Paul is saying, it's fine for you to rejoice in that and how God has done all this for you. But now, you know what? It's time to grow up. 
It's not all about you. Stop focusing on just your little kingdom, your little identity, and how I've chosen you and adopted you and redeemed you. It's time to grow up and join my, my big plan and get in on my secret that I am in the business of reuniting everything in heaven on on earth. And one day I'm going to come again and I'm going to really unite everything. But even now, you can get in on my reconciliation plan, my uniting plan, and be part of the unifying force that's going on in this world. In Ephesians 2, Paul's going to say that we need to work for relational and even racial reconciliation. In Ephesians 4, he's going to say that that. All of us needs to be working together for the unity of the church. I'll tell you, there's nothing more discouraging and depressing to see a church, a divided church, right? I mean, we, we probably all have witnessed that somewhere sometime. And so Paul says, I want you to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. He says that over in Ephesians chapter 4. There's only one body, one faith, one Lord, one God and Father of us all. Unity, unity, unity. Racial reconciliation. See, when you really follow Jesus and your identity becomes in Him, you realize He calls you that's more than just about you, but He calls you to align with Him and align with others and and start being in the uniting business. He says over in 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Welcome to the new. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Is this part of your identity? Where now that you're reconciled to God, He calls you to be a reconciler? He's called you now to be an ambassador? Do you see yourself? You you can get up in the morning and say, I today will be an ambassador for Christ. I'm going to be a unifier, not a divider. We live in a society where people are divided, Republicans and Democrats and conservatives and liberals and and blacks and whites and Asians and Hispanics and all this. Division, division, division all over the place. And and TV networks, they play on that and they they bring all that to it. And you and I have to really rethink a lot of the things. And we go, you know what? In Christ, I'm supposed to be a uniter, not a divider. And at church, am I a gossip? Am Am I just, it's all about my identity? and my preferences, and my little kingdom? Or am I really going to align with others and align with God? And let's be on mission together for Him. And let's, do, let's be in the reconciling business. Let's be in the uniting business.